I have a question for you. Have you ever had a hangover? Why? 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 Do you, why what do you mean? Have you ever had a hangover? It's, I think it's a valid question. Not everybody's <laughs> had a hangover in their life, you know. I mean, I guess, I guess it is true. Not everyone has had a hangover. Yeah. Obviously, everyone who is underage has yet to experience a hangover. Mm-hmm. And there may be other reasons why you've never had a hangover. I haven't had a lot, but yeah. I've had them. Why do you ask? Are you hungover for this recording? No. Have you ever experienced that feeling from working? <sighs> Oh, okay. Because this happened to me yesterday. You had a work hangover. I had a work hangover, I think, for the first time. And it's not something that I knew existed. Mm. I don't know if it does exist. But yesterday, I felt horrifically hungover, and I had no alcohol the day before. (laughs) And the only thing that I can attest it to is the fact Mm. that I was working until, I don't know, like one in the morning, Mm. and still trying to stay awake with caffeine and Mm. food at a time when I should have definitely been sleeping. Right. You've been spending all your cortisol and adrenaline on getting things done. Yeah. And then you are tapped out, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, no. Work hangover, I think that's a real thing if you've really been going for a whole bunch. Work hangovers, yes. You know, regular hangovers, not so much. But I'm sorry to hear that you've had a work hangover, though it is... Completely understandable because it is Apple event time, which I Mm -hmm. totally knew about before you messaged me about it and I saw it in the show notes. (laughs) It's a busy week for you. Yeah, it was so Tuesday was when the event was and they're obviously Mm -hmm. later in time anyway, right? So if I'm recording, which I am, I recorded with Jason, we do our kind of like post event analysis. I can't start that until it ended. And then I also had uh, some meetings which mm-hmm. to get some more information about the product. So all of that just kept pushing the day on and on and on. And I think adrenaline is one of the things that I can assume was a big factor for how I was feeling. Because mm. I had like a weird feeling after I was finished. Like it was kind of like one in the morning. I was super hungry and I was like incredibly mm. sweaty. <laughs> and so like I can assume it. Yeah, lovely, right? I can assume it must have been adrenaline based. And I think... That set me up for a bad Wednesday. Right. It was bad. It was so bad. And I still had a bunch of stuff to do. I, we did an interview for next week's upgrade. And again, I'm trying to like get through it. And, and I just, I felt like I was, I don't know, like 22 again or something. Yeah, I, I could see in my head, Mike, with the sunglasses on <laughs> as you're recording a podcast and drinking coffee. and From underneath my desk, you know. Yeah. In the fetal position. It reminded me of when, like, so, you know, I, I used to work in retail banking. Mm-hmm. And my very first jobs in that field was actually working in the bank branches, opening bank accounts and that kind of stuff. And I remember what it was like to work Saturdays, having gone out on Fridays. That They were rough times, man. And that's what I felt like uh, yesterday. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. I like because that's that's the worst thing than the hangover is having to do something. Right, working it, through it, a hangover yeah. is one of the most excruciating things a person can go through. It's so bad. <laughs> like if you have to sit in a meeting, you know, the universe feels unjust in those moments. <laughs> 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 uh, and so I've I've discovered that it's possible now. Uh, maybe this is in my advancing age that now I can just work too hard and get a hangover, which <laughs> right. is not a thing that I knew I had to consider. But I right. guess that's kind of where I am in my mid thirties now. Happy birthday! Here's a new problem <laughs> for you. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm so I'm so sorry, Mike. I'm I'm so sorry that this is now a thing that can be part of your annual life. You yeah, know? maybe. I made a decision though, which was a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Like I had like a positive thinking kind of moment, you know, like a positive mental attitude kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Where it was like I was looking at my calendar, and these weeks they were just like it's like dropping a nuclear bomb into my calendar because. There is a moment on the Tuesday that is where like the bomb hits and then the shock wave hits out across the rest of the calendar as all of my shows will start getting moved around. It's mm. kind of an incredible thing. It's like this event occurs and then this has to move then this has to move and then having moved that means I need to move this and ha- you know and it's just like this. I've heard it described uh, as silly season. Mm. A friend Melanie calls it silly season, which is like if if one person who's in a podcast goes on vacation, right? The effect of that person <laughs> going on vacation can be felt across like four different podcasts, right? <laughs> so I was looking at all of this and I was assessing the amount of work that I had to do and all these extra things and all my ever editing projects that I'm going to have mm-hmm. to do, and I made the decision in that moment to not look at this as, oh man, this is so much to do. Mm. but to choose to feel grateful for it because this is what I wanted and it is what Mm. I wanted, right? This is what I signed up for, all of this stuff. Like when I set out on this path to try and attain the career that I have, it was to get these moments. So this week especially, I am appreciating the work more than thinking, oh man, this is going to be hard to get done. I'm mm-hmm. just choosing to feel grateful for it instead of tired about it. I, I think I think that's really good because I think about the Mike who I first met and he would be thrilled to hear how busy your week is because of the things that you're able to do. Yeah, the opportunities and that kind of stuff. You really work towards this over the years. And this is a good example of where trying to reframe something really can work. You know, it's like with the journals and if you use them for gratitude journaling, like I always say, it's frustratingly effective. Yep. But this is one of the reasons why that stuff kind of works is you can, to a limited extent, reframe things under the right circumstances and choosing to be grateful for all of the stuff that you get to do this week is like, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you did that after hearing that you had to go through your work hangover while also working with your sunglasses on <laughs> and drinking your coffee. And, and the electrolytes. I was I was burning up on electrolytes yesterday. I was like, gotta get those in. <laughs> yeah, electrolytes and bone broth, uh, all to be perky on a podcast. <laughs> Not a fan of bone broth? I don't like the words. I never really thought about it. Look, you just, Mike, you just grind up a bunch of bones, you broth them, and then you drink them. How doth one broth something? <laughs> Look, I don't know. I'm not a witch with a cauldron, you know, mixing these things together. Toil, toil, bubble and trouble or whatever. I don't I know. I have mute and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of Cortex is brought to you by Fitbod. Fitbod is the fitness app that provides a personalized exercise plan, a fitness plan that actually fits you. Because when it comes to fitness, Fitbod believes that everyone can be better. Whether you're working out three days a week or twice a day, Fitbod has an algorithm that uses data and analytics to help you build on your previous workout so that your next workout is scientifically proven to be better than the last. Fitbod has been fine-tuned by the best certified personal trainers to bring the best practices of strength training directly 
to you. Your workout program will be tailored exactly to your needs, making it perfectly suited to your unique body experience, environment, and goals. Because it can be hard to know exactly how much you should be doing whilst exercising. You won't want to have to think about under or overtraining because that stuff could be super complicated. So FitBob will take care of all of this for you, helping you mix up your muscle groups, exercises, sets, reps, and weight over time to help keep you on top form while making sure that you stay on a path that's right for you. FitBot is all about helping you take steps towards becoming a better version of yourself. They have so many different types of workouts, body weight only workouts, which are great for indoors or outdoors. If you have access to gym equipment, they have so many options there too. No matter what it is you have, no matter what it is you want or have access to, FitBot is going to help you with that exercise routine. And this is something that I've found as I've been trying out so many different exercise types with them. Body weight only stuff, I got some resistance bands and I had a bunch of exercises available to me there as well. And I love that as I'm trying out new things, there are all these great little videos and instructions with every single exercise to help me make sure I'm doing it properly. FitBot is available on iOS and Android and you can get started right now by going to fitbod.me slash cortex and you'll also get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me slash cortex to try it out for free and get 25% off your FitBod membership. A thanks to FitBod for their support of this show and Relay FM. I opened our document a couple of days ago mm. and was met with something that I couldn't conceive of. <laughs> oh, oh, this is the thing I forgot about. Is this the Slack notification flowchart? Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to put a link in the show notes to what I ended up finding, mm-hmm. which is a blog post from Slack's engineering team where mm-hmm. they show off this flowchart. And we can talk about what this is in a minute and why it's here. But when I first saw this, I thought you had made this. Oh, no. And no. this was something that you were trying to, I don't know, tell me how I should be sending <laughs> notifications to you in our Slack or something. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I could just imagine you and your assistant coming up with this system of like, when can Gray be notified? And that's what I originally thought this was. I actually kind of like that as an idea. Like the when and how to approach Gray, the flowchart. I like that. Maybe I should make that. I mean, honestly, I would like that because then I would know when I can alert you or not. Right, like what? What are the types of messages which warrant the uh, at gray and where do they go? Because I will say, <laughs> since we created the Cortex brand Slack, our communication has gotten much more complicated. Yes, because now has. we have three, three places. places, and I never really know now where to put things. Again, I think we need mm-hmm. to have a, a, a meeting about this because <laughs> it's, it's everything's gotten more complicated again. Yeah, it definitely has gotten more complicated. And also, in all fairness to you, this is where I am completely unhelpful with the show notes because I was sent this diagram as like, oh my God, look at how complicated Slack notifications are. And I thought, oh, I'm going to forget about this. Let me just quickly drop it into the show notes with no context, right? Not a sentence or anything. Mm -hmm. I just dropped it in as an image. And then, of course, promptly forgot that I had ever put it in there. So you're presented with this how to run a nuclear power station level flowchart that is has absolutely nothing surrounding it. I just wanted this as as a little bit of like follow up to our conversations where I sometimes express frustration about notifications. And we've talked about Slack a whole bunch and even to this day still find it really endlessly frustrating about what do I or do not get notified about in Slack? 
And Slack is one of these these weird cases where it tends to be the reverse of I actually want more notifications from this system, but I, I sometimes find it hard to get the ones that I'm looking for. But anyway, so this flow chart, I just put it in here to visually show how it is actually incredibly complicated about does or does not Slack notify you when yeah. a message takes place. And I, I was really relieved to see this, to think, okay, it is not just me. This flowchart must have, what, two dozen boxes on it, all with oh, yes, no options yeah. of, you know, is it here? Is it there? Is it under this circumstance? What's the global state? You know, blah, 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 blah. And so that's why I put it here. This this to me is like vindication flowchart. Slack notifications are super complicated. It's also an incredible example of how you add complication by adding new features. Yes. Me and Adina yes. were talking about this yesterday. She started selling some prints of the comics that she's been doing. Like she she mm -hmm. had she wanted to test it out. And she wanted to set up Instagram shopping, right? Because you can buy things in Instagram. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. It, it integrates with Shopify, I think. And you can just sell stuff. So it's physical prints of the artwork. Yeah. She has some postcards okay. made. It's like a test of a thing that she wants to try and do more of. Mm -hmm. And she's also doing this as a test for us, for Cortex mm -hmm. brand, right? Right. It's like, why don't you do this and tell me how it goes? Uh, <laughs> so we'll see if this is the thing we want to do in the future. I don't know. Right. It's great to have tasks have two purposes. Yeah, exactly. Two purposes is one purposes. So yeah, that's great. And so to do it, she had to set up a Facebook page for her Instagram account uh, and link them. To do a right. lot of stuff on Instagram, you have to have a Facebook page attached to it, mm -hmm. like to do ads and stuff like that. So she created the Facebook page, but now it refuses to link them. Like mm -hmm. she's hit some bug and she found a bunch of Reddit threads where people have been having this bug for months. And we were talking about it last night and it was like, this is an example of you start with a product and then you have a bunch of other features and you keep adding like 20 layers on top. Mm. Because it doesn't make any sense why to make ads on Instagram, you need a Facebook page other than the fact, which is this is the only way they could do it without having to remake their system every time. So you just keep adding more and more dependencies on top of everything else. And like, mm -hmm. that's this thing with Slack of like, because they added threads in, it added like 20 more boxes on this flowchart. Yeah. Right. You can see the word thread message in question marks all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Because they added this feature in. This is like a perfect example of how you can make things more complicated for yourself because you try to do them in the most expedient way, which is yes. to just add a feature on top rather than trying to fully integrate it. And like, this is not a criticism on any of these companies because it's, they all do this, right? Like this is just, you can't, every time you have an idea, remake all of Facebook, right? Like you can't, you know, it's like, oh, we've had this great idea. Great. We need to start again with Facebook so we can like properly integrate this. It doesn't work like that. But this is how you end up building these like layers upon layers of complexities in such that to send a notification, there is one of the most complicated flowcharts I've ever seen. Yeah, it's great. And then, and then you think this also then interacts with, if you're me, your notification system on the phone, right? All of this is like before the notification even gets into yep. Apple's system, yep. right? Which is, you know, so, so it's like, oh, great. All of these complicated flowcharts are interacting with other complicated flowcharts. So anyway, it just, I, I wanted to throw it in here as like, oh God, it's incredible how complicated software can be. And this is one of the few cases where I, f I feel like 
I dramatically underestimated what the scope of the problem really is. It's like, oh, I thought I was managing five things, but I didn't realize, oh, there's 10 things here. This is why I, I can never quite get Slack to work the way that I want to. And I even I even learned new things from this flowchart of like, oh, there's the difference between at channel, at everyone, and at, and here. at here, yeah. right? Which in my head, I just sort of mushed them all together. But it's amazing to see this where it's like, oh, okay, this is a mention. It's an at here mention. Is the user active? Like, are they in Slack right now? You know, no, then they won't get notified. It's like, oh, but if you're using at everyone, it's like, yes, they will get notified unless the channel mentions are suppressed, then they won't. Right. It's it's like it's incredible how complicated this is to go to your point. You can easily see how someone at some point says, you know, you don't always want to mention everyone in a channel. You literally want to know who is here right now. And you go, oh yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. That's a useful feature. But then fast forward to onboarding new users a year later. And since they haven't seen each of the pieces come in and like read the change logs as they get added, you just go, oh, at here and everywhere. Yeah, all of this is like, how do I talk to everyone in the channel thing? It's, it's a very hard design problem. Like I do not envy... Just to be clear, this is not me being like, oh, Slack is ridiculous. This is more like, I just don't envy the engineers who have to work on it. And for a tool that is attempting to manage, how does everyone in a company communicate with everyone else? It's a really, really hard problem to solve. We get to do that thing that we rarely do where there's some kind of like breaking news that we can bring into the show. Because before we oh. started recording today, the WWDC rumors started. Right. Oh, okay. I want to read you a paragraph from a Bloomberg report from Mark Gunn because mm -hmm. I think you might like this. Okay. I know you hate the rumors when I'm telling you it anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm like, why? Why are you telling me rumors? Because rumors this is particularly rumors. exciting for you. Yeah, but they're non. They're non. It's just no. It's not. It's just a rumor. It's just. A, it's not real. The company is planning a new feature that will allow users to set different notification preferences, such as if the phone makes a sound or not, depending on their current status. The enhancement will come in the form of a new menu that lets users select if they are driving, working, sleeping, or custom categories of their choosing. The menu will be shown on the updated lock screen and in control center. So basically, you may be able to, with iOS 15, say, hey, I'm working now, and then your phone will send you a very limited set of notifications that you can customize. Imagine that life. Yeah, okay, but so this, this is why I don't like rumors, because now you put me in a terrible position. Yeah, I know. Right? I like to do this to you, because now you're like, oh, now I want it, because now you think it might be out there. This is very fun for me. Right. So, so yeah, if this doesn't happen, I will be disappointed. Mm -hmm. If it does happen... I will also take credit for the existence of this feature. <laughs> I'll just assume. I mean, this is, I, without a shadow of a doubt, this only exists because people that make iOS listen to you complain. It's like, look, look, Apple engineers. I know you're there. I know you can hear me now. So, so I am. I am going to completely take credit mm -hmm. uh, if this feature exists. But then that only serves to redouble my disappointment if it doesn't happen. So, thanks a lot, Mike. This is like the many years of dark mode. Right. Yeah. No. This is. <laughs> this is great. Breaking news in Cortex. I give it two thumbs down. Do not want. Do not repeat. Do not notify, please. We have a new product that I'm very excited about. The Subtle Notebook. The Subtle Notebook. Love it. So we obviously have worked very hard on creating the Theme System Journal. And we've had a lot of great feedback about it because people just really like to use the Theme System Journal. So we decided to take all of the work that we have done in creating a fantastic paper product that is really nice to use 
and turn it into just a regular notebook. So if you love your theme system journal, now you can write all of your notes in a book made just like it. Or if for some reason you've been wondering, hey, what's all this fuss about? But you don't want to be a journal person, which I don't understand if you don't, I think everybody should get a theme system journal, but nevertheless, now we have a product for you. So it's made exactly the same with the same materials. It has a different cover, which is a wonderful kind of slightly metallic blue with a more subtle logo, mm-hmm. but otherwise is constructed identically to the theme system journal. It has dot grid, number pages, corner perforation so you can keep your place, and a lay flat design. It's on sale now at cortexmerch.com. Yeah, I've got mine right here, right next to me. Obviously, Mike designed. It's beautiful. And yeah, if you if you are looking for a high quality notebook, it is obviously we recommend it. It's great. Yep. I love it. And it's taken all of the work that you've done for the theme system and notebookified it. And I also just really love that when you pitched this to me the first time, it was we want to take the subtle shirt and turn it into a notebook. And that's exactly what has happened. I, I 100% love that it matches this shirt so well, like with a nice subtle logo on the side. It's mm-hmm. love it. It's so good. It is a notebook version of a t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> that's all we've made. Yeah. You're listening to Cortex right now. What more do you need to know? Yep. Cortexmerch.com. We need to talk about live streaming. Do we? Yeah, Why? We do. Why do we need to talk about live streaming? I think for a couple of reasons. One, I have been live streaming weekly for six months now. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to check in on how that's been going for me. But also because you're a live streaming machine who can't be stopped. No, I don't don't know if that's that's true. Okay, if we're going to talk about live streaming, what this actually needs to be is... I need to learn from your experience of live streaming. <laughs> Gray, that's partly why we're having this conversation. Okay, is this like a streaming intervention that's actually bit. occurring? Like, hey, we need to talk about your streaming. There's some stuff that we need to talk about, but there's other parts okay. that I'm just intrigued about. So to, to kind of give everybody a refresher, I have been streaming weekly at Mike.live with keyboard-related content. This is mm-hmm. my new hobby, and I've really been enjoying it. And every Friday, I've been doing a stream for an hour or two where I might be building something or looking at some upcoming products. This is kind of called like group buyer reviews. We look at stuff that's coming down the line, and I give my thoughts and opinions on the designs. And now that I'm back in the studio more, I'm thinking about maybe doing more streams. And I've actually been wanting to do some game stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And I could maybe do that on different days in the week. So I've really been enjoying it. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the changes that I've gone through, especially from an equipment perspective, and also talk about some of the stuff that I've learned from having done this for another like six months. Hmm. So that's where I am right now. But now I want to kind of get everybody up to speed and where you are too. So in the past, you've been doing some director's commentary live streams, right? That's something you've been doing for a while when you post a big video. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's been about a year, I guess, yeah. that I've been doing that. I think since the Tumbleweeds video, that was the yes. first one. Yeah, and so you know, my understanding is they're like that's like a perk for Patreon too, right? They get like the video and stuff. Your, your mm-hmm. direct supports get the videos. And you've done some occasional game streams, mostly Mario Kart, if memory mm-hmm. serves, right? But in the past week or so, you've been playing an absolute ton of Minecraft. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm keen to understand I know what, you're <laughs> what, what triggered this. I don't know. Okay. I, I, that's, uh, that's a perfectly fine reason. Like saying I just wanted to do it. It's like, <laughs> great. Like, okay. Well, no, it's, it's, it's one of these. It's like, um, it's been a weird series of 
escalations combined with just a bunch of timing stuff mm-hmm. but okay so if, if i'm if i'm trying to reconstruct it so there's the background thing which is which is going on here when i switched my business to be much more direct support and i gave up doing embedded sponsorships in the videos one of the things that had been on my list for a really long time is I wanted to have a second place that people could sign up to support the channel because sometimes for whatever reason, like people don't want to use Patreon. They want like a second option was a frequent mm-hmm. request. And I've been kind of looking at stuff for a while. And eventually with the timing of it, it's like YouTube has just been rolling out their members program. And I got an invitation to be one of the early trial people for this and i thought okay let me give this a shot and so i've been trialing that out for i don't know maybe six months or so it seems like from the outside basically they took patreon and twitch and mushed them together yeah i mean i don't know very much about twitch so that's hard for me to comment on but i think it is very fair to say that this is youtube's answer to patreon in a large number of ways Hmm. anyway so i i wanted to just have an answer when people email me and they're like hey i want a different option so i've been trying it out and with this actually just goes right into the the like flow chart that we were talking about before (laughs) was like as you keep adding things each individual thing makes everything much more complicated there's like a non-linear amount of complication that incurs mm-hmm. and so i've been working a lot on trying to make sure that people who sign up to become members or patrons that for the primary two levels that people use everything is as the same as it can be yeah i don't think that the content experience should be different yeah and that ends up being a lot more work and a lot more difficult than you expect well, you've got to double the work now yeah so there's there is double the work like, so that, that is the boring business background all to get to the sentence of, so what I was trying to figure out how to do and completely failed in doing was how can I stream the director's commentaries to both groups of people? And normally the way that I've done it is since the director's commentaries are for the supporters of the channel, like it's been a private thing. And then I was thinking, okay, but how can I, stream this to both groups and it's like oh god this is a technical challenge and also a gray's internet is not fast enough and not reliable enough challenge as well Hmm. and i basically gave up with what was it i guess it was the metric paper video i gave up even attempting to do that and just did the director's commentary live on the channel instead of having it behind a paywall yep. because I couldn't figure out how to do the thing. And I, and I was like, well, I don't want to favor one group over the other. So uh, everybody can watch when it's live, I guess now. Yeah. But then you can do, which I think you have been doing, which I think is, I think is a really fair way to do it is then the replay is only available for members or patrons, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I've, that's what I've done for now. This is, um, <laughs> this is also one of these things where simply because of the language issue as well, I've never really had a name for the group of people who support the channel, but now yeah, that there's difficult. two system, it's like, I need a way to refer to both of them. Yeah. And so like, I've come up with the Bonnie B brigade as mm-hmm. like an outgrowth of the Bonnie B that I've used on the channel for a long time. But again, it's it's one of these things of I've always avoided any kind of collective name. That's fine until you have two systems and now you need one name. But first, you can just adopt what that system calls their 
customers, yeah. right? So like your patrons of Patreon. Yeah, like I used to just say crowdfunders or patrons or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And and I've used crowdfunders a little bit in the past year, but I just really hate it as a word. I think it's an ugly word. That word doesn't mean anymore, I think, what it used to mean. Now like yeah. crowdfunding is Kickstarter. Yes, exa- exactly. It, there's, there's like a legacy term way that I'm using it, which is slipping. Like you don't you don't want to get stuck on the old term for forever. So I don't know. It's just it's been it's been this weird time where I've been trying to solve a bunch of these weird background technical issues mm-hmm. like the you know the direct support is totally what the channel relies on and just trying to make this work by what i thought was oh i'll just flip a switch and give it a try and see how it works i didn't realize oh this is actually going to introduce a much larger number of problems <laughs> than, yep. than i thought at first but so anyway i gave up trying to solve one problem i just did the director's commentary live uh-huh. then i was trying to solve the problem again and accidentally streamed live on the channel when i didn't mean to right and basically just said okay f it i'll let's roll with this and i'll just do some mario kart on the main yep. stream and then that just opened the flood doors of oh i guess i can just stream on the main channel and it's okay dot 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 question mark like i'm not a hundred percent sure it's very early in doing this, which is probably why it's a good time for your intervention if you're going to try to direct me here. <laughs> this is like a very inflectiony point kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway, it's it's a combination of so I sort of opened this door accidentally and then it's, I mean this is like a whole other side thing, but it's just worked out that some of my videos are in a really frustrating stage of development, like I feel really stuck on two of them in these really annoying ways. And so I've ended up having a bunch of days work-wise that are just kind of frustrating after the morning. And I feel like I just haven't really accomplished much. And so that has totally pushed me to just try to play around with streaming a bit more and figure out what's here and what works. It originally started with, I can't remember how, but I think someone mentioned when I did that Mario Kart stream about Myst which is a game that I really love. Yes, you have playing Myst, yeah. And just haven't played in literally over 20 years. It's very old. And I just thought, oh, that might be just kind of fun to try out on the channel. Like, I've referenced Myst several times in my vlogs because it had a really big aesthetic impact on me. And so, yeah, I gave that a try. And I don't know, It's I was really happy to just experience the game again like it was an interesting experience and also you know i could use help getting through it because i wasn't going to remember all the all the puzzles like you know it was much harder than i remembered it uh i thought like oh, i'll blast through this no problem it's like no it's still quite a hard puzzle game even after 20 years when i was doing that someone mentioned minecraft which i didn't realize was still uh, incredibly popular like i just as kind of assumed that it had faded away a little bit i mean i don't know if it's still now but there was a time i'm um, in the last year where it was again the most popular video game in the world yeah i mean it's it has amazing staying power and yeah so again i just i had a some really frustrating days with trying to work on some videos and the minecraft thing was just really nice like oh i f- i feel like I've done something in the day after a frustrating morning, and it's also just genuinely quite fun to play. So Mm. it's been this weird combination of one, like we've talked about streaming for years and years now, and it's I think to anyone who's been with us, 
It has always been clear that I'm the one who has a much harder time with this and I don't get it. And I feel like I've never really figured it out. And this is much more of me making a concerted effort to try to figure it out because it's just happened to work out that I have a couple of good games that I wanted to try anyway and a like bumpier period in the main script time. So yeah, so it's really just been a bunch of messing around is the long answer to why has this happened? It's just been like one thing on top of another. That's why it's happened. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by our good friends at Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web, including this very show. You can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. You've heard us talk about Mortex. You've heard us talk about the RelayFM membership program. And Memberful is the platform that we use to help us do all of this. They make it super easy to generate an extra revenue stream whilst also delivering bonus content to our members. Maybe you're already producing content and relying on advertising revenue, other means of income, or you don't have an income at all. Memberful makes it easy to diversify your income and generate that with everything you need to run a membership program of your own. They can give you custom branding, gift subscription options, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcasts, which is what we really take advantage of, and tons more, while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. One of the things that I really love about Memberful is exactly that. We've been able to use their fantastic tools to build everything that we need. We have integrations with Discord and everything like that, but it all remains ours. We choose all of the integrations that we want. We choose the companies that we want to work with, and Memberful gives us the tools to build that exactly the way that we want. We don't have to take a cookie-cutter approach. Nobody's telling us what we do. We still stay in control of everything whilst being able to offer what I think is a really compelling thing to our audience. If you are a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. Get started for free at memberful.com. There's no credit card required. That's M-E-M-B-E-R-F-U-L, memberful.com. Go there right now and check it out. It could be the start of something exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM. Poking in and, and peeking in as you've been doing this over the last few days. I mean, I can say from a business perspective, this is a good idea. Your numbers are incredible. I didn't realize you've been spying on me. I've been spying on you, yeah. I mean, YouTube actively tells me when it's happening. Right? Like, you can't get away from it, which is yeah. really interesting. No, it's good. This is good, right? I think that... It, okay, because here's the... Like, when I first started, I was like, why would you stream on YouTube? Like, Twitch is the place, right, for streaming. Mm-hmm. It's just a better platform for it because it's built around it, right? Like, that's what Twitch is. YouTube's like trying to make fetch happen, you know, like that they are really trying with live streaming, but people go to Twitch because it's kind of the expectation now is mm-hmm. like that's where you live stream. But you have this inbuilt audience there already subscribed. YouTube wants to tell them like every time you're streaming, you are the top video in my subscriptions list, no matter what's coming in. Mm. Like they put you right up there and you're like live. So like for you, I think it makes perfect sense to stream on YouTube rather mm. than, because then, I mean, honestly, like if you did on Twitch, you would then be having a third option, right? Right. Of like, yeah. now you have these subscribers and where do they go? There is something to be said about the diversification of that, which is intriguing, but I feel like would add so much on top that probably makes it more complicated. 
and also just from watching, like it seems like it is a really great way to encourage people to subscribe. Because when you're streaming live, if you are a person who watches live streams, you're very used to the idea of this is, will encourage people to subscribe. And then at least with the YouTube stuff, they get additional benefits they don't really get on Twitch, right? Yeah. Like Twitch is just kind of like, I support this creator. Now I don't see ads and I get some emotes. But at least with the YouTube stuff, I assume from what I could glean, if somebody supports you by like subbing while you're live, they also get all of the benefits that you would get as a patron slash yes. regular subscriber. So there is definitely something to be said for someone like you using YouTube as your live streaming platform rather than trying to start something new on Twitch. And I've also found it like intriguing to watch some of these streams because it's so different content-wise to the stuff that you normally make, right? Because it's live, mm-hmm. which is not a thing that you really do. And I was kind of intrigued as to how that makes you feel to be creating live. Yeah, I, I mean, when, <laughs> well, you know, when you pitched me on Cortex years ago, I remember one of my main points was like, just so you understand... This will never be live, right? Because yeah. you, know, you, were, you were doing other shows live. Most of my other shows, especially my weekly shows, we stream them live. Mm-hmm. People can listen in our members' Discord. They can listen on the web. It's just a thing that I've always done. Mm-hmm. So it's just a thing that I do. I don't particularly feel like that there is a reason. Like there's other shows that I do that I don't stream live. It, it adds and it also makes some things more tricky at the same mm. time for the shows that are like quite news focused and information heavy it can be useful because the live stream actually provides information right mm. but say for a show like ours the one we're doing right now i don't think streaming live would help it would actually make the show harder to make oh yeah 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 i, I just back in the day like you mm-hmm. you would have wanted it to be live and i think because I, I, yeah, it's what i was used to i was very firm on not live please and, no yeah yes <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's for the best for this show i mean there has been one live appearance ever right when you came to san francisco and we did a segment right but so i, I just find it very interesting to watch you creating live yeah, I mean, there's so much in what you've just already said, is, and this is this is where I really feel like I'm I'm trying to figure it out. I am concerned about the notification issue. I don't think it's a problem, but no. I just don't know. And it's, it's just it's early days. It's not a problem. I mean, well, yes. okay, <laughs> it would maybe become a problem if you streamed a lot and then people turn off notifications and they don't get notifications for the videos anymore. But that's not a thing that you can work out and as well it's like if you start relying on the notifications to tell people when you're streaming live you are then at the whim of youtube again as to when they may or may not send that notification yeah that you expect yeah and also like how how much sense this makes to do long term like i I just don't know mm-hmm. you know I, I suspect that a lot of this might just be a kind of novelty effect at the moment like it's it's novel for me which is what makes it interesting but it, and it can also just be novel for some people to watch it yeah there's, there's always a novelty to stuff like this yeah i, I think one of the other big things about having direct support be the main thing that supports the channel that you know now that i've been doing this for a while is i've realized like i have to have a visible reminder that this is a thing that 
people can do now mm. that like the business and the people that I work with depend on this as an income source because yeah. what happens over time with any of these kinds of things is like okay if I make a video that says you know please support me on Patreon or whatever over time the number of people who are there decay just as like credit cards expire or people like lose interest or whatever yep. there's always a certain amount of churn and like it's a thing that I if the business depends on this I have to promote it in some way mm-hmm. but I am just I'm deeply uncomfortable with the direct ask like I've I've done it you know two or three times in 10 years which is not enough if the business actually needs to depend on this as the primary source of income so one of the things that I've been doing with this is just to have a visible reminder to people that like oh you can support the channel and if you do there are perks and it is one of the things that's quite interesting about youtube members to me is it does make it very visually and immediately obvious to people hey there's more content here mm-hmm. like i always find it quite interesting with the creators that i support on patreon that i almost never consume their additional contents that exist there it's a pain yeah and if something is old it's very hard to go back and to find it i have a couple of people that i support on patreon and one of the things that they'll do is you get the video early right Mm -hmm. so they send me an email and then i have to open the email and then i want to save the video to my watch later queue which means i then have to sign in to YouTube again, even though I'm already signed in in another tab. Right. And then open the video and then press the button. It's a pain. It doesn't just show up where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. So for like, for more text, people subscribe and it's in their feed. It's like if every time we were like, we sent people an email every month, which had an MP3 attached to it, mm-hmm. which had the additional content. And it's like, you can go listen to this now. Right, like it's right. like it doesn't. It's not meeting people where they are, mm-hmm. and I think that's the interesting part of you leaning into what YouTube's offering as well as what Patreon's offering, because it it really is leaning into where your customers are already, which is YouTube. So yeah, so I mean, part of the experience that I had, which also made me consider this, is I signed up for a couple people's memberships on YouTube myself, mm-hmm. and found, oh, I'm actually watching the additional stuff that they create. I mean, it may be literally true a thousand percent more mm-hmm. because I would basically never watch it on Patreon, and I've caught myself thinking, oh, there's some channels like I wish they would put their stuff on YouTube. So I don't know. It's it's interesting, and the you know the the program is still in beta, so I'm a little bit limited about what I can say about it, but. Mm-hmm. What I can say is it presents this real split where, you know, when someone is supporting the channel, it works much better for me if they do that on Patreon. Like, all things being equal, I would much prefer someone to sign up on Patreon by a big margin. But I know as a user, it's way more convenient if it's right there on YouTube. So it's an interesting split. And I, I think, well, if I was a supporter of me, I would prefer to sign up on 
YouTube. And so th that's one of the reasons why I'm just kind of giving it a try and seeing how things go. You know, it's, it's funny because like, obviously I had the 10 year thing that we talked about uh, last time or the time before. Yeah. And so obviously I've been thinking a lot about the next 10 years of the business. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I, I really want to lean on direct support quite a lot through, you know, memberships and through merchandise, you know, weird stuff like the stamp or whatever. But one of the things that sort of dawned on me is that I think I've been doing my career in a little bit of a reverse way from the way a lot of content creator production facilities go where yeah. my early stuff was also much less personal and over the last 10 years i think there has been a trend towards more personal and i've also trended away from advertising and like both of those are very in the opposite direction of the way most things go that as a channel gets bigger often one of the things that people want to do is they want to try to more formalize like what's the system how does this work how do we make this more reproducible and like that's how you you make a bigger business mm -hmm. but i've realized i'm i'm very happy to lean into the channel actually becoming just more personal over time, which is why like, oh, the vlogs have gone up. And that's also why I, f I feel comfortable experimenting with the live streaming stuff, because that then feels incredibly personal on the spectrum. It's, it's like, oh, I'm here right now. You're listening to me talk and I'm just kind of playing a video game. And so yeah. There's something incredibly unserious and hang outy about it. I'm pleased you said that because uh, I wanted to say this. Okay. Thing that, uh, you probably won't like it, but I'm going to say it anyway. No. So, like, in watching you play the game, I, I see more of who I know because you're, there is more like silliness. Okay. Because you're playing a video game, and so like it's funny, and you're doing silly things, and I know that side of you more, mm -hmm. and it's not the side of you that comes out in your videos, especially like most yeah. of the time, right? Like most of the times, you are presenting something, and it's serious, right? And that is what people see from you. But in the live streaming stuff, because it's happening live, your natural reaction to things is coming out more, mm -hmm. right? Like I was watching you build a train track mm -hmm. and I think at one moment you pressed a button and the train cart flew away mm -hmm. and you know, you're just like giggling up a storm, right? <laughs> Trains are fun. Yeah, right. And, and it's like, it's, there's a spectrum I think that people would see you on, right? So people that watch the YouTube videos see one side of you. People who listen to the podcasts get a little bit more of that, right? Like a little bit more of you as the full person. But content where it's live just naturally you will give more of you mm. like the whole you because it's not written it's not planned in advance it's not being presented you're just playing the game and being yourself so all of this is to say if the goal is to give more of your personal side because that is the way that the business continues with a direct support model things like live streaming i think are a very good thing to continue and to add in because it does open you up a little bit more as a person and as a creator because people get to see more of who you are. And I think that that 
is why, you know, like I'm watching, I've seen lots of people were subscribing. And that's kind of the way that I see the popular Twitch creators that I watch. You know, the more you watch, the more you're like, oh, I'll subscribe because I enjoy it. I just, I'm having fun here over mm-hmm. a period of time. You know, so like I think if that is your goal, I think that this helps continue to further that. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say it less as like it's the goal, but more like it's okay, right? Like it, it's okay to have yes. the more personal stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this, this again is where I was really worried about having two vlogs in a row and mm-hmm. like, oh, it turned out fine. And I think this is, this is a side effect of audience expectations again people know what the deal is Mm -hmm. you know again i'm slightly worried because the youtube streams are subscriber net negative if i look in the in the back end but they're not very net negative what does that what do you mean what does that mean uh so i mean like if i do a stream Mm -hmm. i lose subscribers on that stream oh you mean overall subscribe see this is where okay this is where naming is difficult because subscribers on twitch means the people that pay you money uh, I know, I know. Right? It's like this, this, this is one of the like sidebar. I'm, I'm always harping on this. Like, I think YouTube should just ditch the whole concept of subscribers, but they can't because they built their dumb awards around it. But I've, I've thought forever, like they need to get rid of this. Well, it's all changing now. Like, so we're recording this just as Apple's launched their Apple Podcast subscriptions thing, which obviously there is a parallel to that conversation, but it's too early for me to even have formed a full opinion on this program but apple and apple podcasts now has follow and subscribe and follow oh that's way better follow is the what people do for our show right now right like Mm -hmm. the vast majority of our listeners they are now like if they use apple podcasts following us they've just and what we would always have always called subscribe to the show right right yes but then you have the membership and the paid stuff, and that is now a subscription. I mean, I'm just old school, so I'm used to it, but I wouldn't mind if this naming actually just changed and just standardized. Because mm. now I'm used to, with Twitch, subscriptions is where the money occurs. That's where right. there's an exchange of whatever. Yeah. I now want just, please, standardize this <laughs> language across the platforms. Right, yeah. <laughs> no, I I didn't know Apple changed the language, and I, I'm yeah. 100% behind that. I think subscribe has... It's an anachronistic word. It doesn't make sense. It's confusing. It's confusing even between right now and this moment, two professionals talking about what's going on. And I was like, oh, I'm net negative on subscribers. And you go, wow, I'm like, that must be... like, how are you a- losing <laughs> money? <laughs> <laughs> right, and I'm like, oh, I don't think it's a big deal at all. Whereas, whereas it's like, oh, if my direct supporters were abandoning me in mass when I streamed, it's like, I would stop streaming real fast mm-hmm. like you know so it's, it's <laughs> it doesn't make any sense <laughs> <laughs> they're all want refunds yeah it's it's hard to talk about but i guess what i was trying to say there is i'm worried about the notifications thing i know that the people who follow me on youtube with the subscription button that number goes negative when i stream but not by a lot and i also easily expect that's hugely disproportionate to people who like just signed up on the last main video. Like um, I would bet 80% of those unsubscribes are people who just subscribed when they found metric paper. And then they're like, Oh, this is a nostalgia streaming channel. I didn't know that like unsubscribe. Or it is the far less engaged person who is now annoyed that this is happening, but they were not going to particularly watch every video or ever sign up. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and, and and this this is also where one of the things 
<laughs> related to the the whole concept of YouTube subscriptions is I'm I'm trying to just psychologically let go of you know it's a bit like the serenity prayer and you know hey you know what you have to say the serenity prayer about when does youtube notify people about your videos and it's like well you know don't spend a lot of time and energy on the things you can't control and you Uh don't know about so it's like i don't have any idea when youtube notifies people about the main videos or the streams it's incredibly difficult to even try to get any kind of idea of when that happens So it's like, you know what, whatever, I'm going to just give up and let YouTube sort it out. And I don't know, maybe YouTube will figure out at some point which people do or don't want game streams and and which people want the main videos. But that's also where I'm not as confident as that, like, oh, I'm not going to worry thing, you know, as that sounds like, well, you know, we'll see how this pans out Mm -hmm. in the future. But yeah, I guess the original idea here about like just being more personal is also trying to eliminate the complexities is it makes more sense to just consolidate everything onto the main YouTube channel. So it's like I used to have that's the secondary channel for streaming games, yep. but that doesn't make sense anymore once there's the members program. Like th- this is where, oh, that just kind of has to go because... I don't want three places where people try to sign up and they don't work with each other and it's confusing. And you have enough control where it doesn't mess up the video list and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. You don't get all these game videos intermixed. Like you're able to kind of like split them out. Yeah, I think it's clear that YouTube is interested in this as an important future part of their platform and i don't know if they're going to continue doing this but it is a big deal to me that yeah this kind of stuff doesn't show up as main video stuff it's very clearly separated from the main videos this allows me to have it be much more obvious like hey guys this is bonus not serious stuff this isn't what the channel is it's just like these extra things so it do, it does allow me to consolidate this stuff but i think thinking about the channel long term it's helped me also realize it makes sense and it's fine to consolidate all of these things my audience i think after 10 years gets it that there's going to be random things all the time yep. on on the channel it's not advice that i would generally give this is what i mean by like it's the reverse of how i see most youtube channels go that i i think Many people, as their channels grow, it makes way more sense to do spin-off and secondary channels. And mm. I think for almost any creator, if they're asking me, oh, they want to do a very different kind of thing, it's like, you should have a separate channel. But that's also dependent on the whole business model of like embedded sponsorships are very important for most content creators. So it's just a very different position that I find myself in. I do think that we're on a bit of an inflection point with this type of stuff though what do you mean so i think that the pandemic has forced a lot of creators to consider their revenue streams differently and so there is a lot more trending towards asking people to you know if you like the content support Mm -hmm. the content and we'll try and give you something extra for that right Mm -hmm. and so i expect there to be a lot more of people doing the type of thing that you are attempting to do right now of leaning into the main source providing some kind of incentive to build a larger support base and rely less on advertising. 
I'm not confident about that as a general statement, but I don't know. Maybe. maybe. I think that 2020 has highlighted the fragility of advertising-based support models. Mm. So I can imagine a lot more people thinking, okay, there is a market for people to want to support, whether it's once or on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. And as long as creators continue to find a good balance, right? Like, it's not going to work for people, in my opinion, who are like, all right, I'm just going to say my content is now all behind a paywall. That's not the way to do it. But right. If you can provide a value proposition, then they will give you their money. Like, I know this because it's working for us. I know this is me as a consumer mm. of content. Like, I want to give money to people that I like. Mm. and to get something out of it. So, I mean, this is more of just like, I agree with what you're saying about you're doing things kind of in reverse to the typical creator because typically a creator begins, they have a small audience, they ask their audience for help, it helps them grow, they get numbers, they get advertising and they grow from there. And -hmm. you have kind of gone in the reverse a little bit. I mean, there is a thing of like when you started, there wasn't really a lot of options for direct support, right, though. Yeah, so yeah. you, you know, it's that it's it is a, a slight inaccuracy in that thinking, right? Like Patreon didn't exist, you know, none of these things existed. But the point that I'm making is, I I do think that larger creators now are considering direct support more than they would have, say, in 2019. Yeah, I think I think that's totally fair. But they're not doing what you're doing, which is then saying hey i'm not doing ads anymore right on the youtube channel where like most creators like say me as well like with the membership stuff that we're doing we still do ads but we also have direct support as well but you've gone an extra step in saying hey i'm taking this leap now please help right like that's the difference it's like it it was a bigger step that you took which does put you on the on the outs. But anyway, we have gone way into the reservation now. <laughs> I want to bring us right back into live streaming. One of the things that I found, it, it was funny to me, is hearing you do the live streaming thing, which is the convention of live streaming, when someone subscribes or becomes a member, or whatever the word is, you say like, thanks, Jane. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what you need to do. And when I turned it on, like I turned on the stream, I was like, is he going to do that? Because I just wasn't sure, right? Because this is new for you. I remember mm-hmm. when I first ever started streaming, I didn't know you needed to do those things. And people were like, why are you not interacting with us? And like, I was like, <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't know I had to, right? Like, it's, a, it, when, it's very strange when you start, but you were doing it. You know, you're like, thanks, Billy Bob, for the for joining or whatever the words are. Yeah, all my words are still very complicated. They're all new. Right. It takes a while. Like, it really takes a while because, again, like, Twitch is much more complicated too because mm-hmm. there are, like, follows, subs, bits, gifted subs. Like, it's a much broader... Oh, oh, great. Sign me up for Twitch. This sounds like what I need. <laughs> I mean, I will say as a creator and as a consumer, I think Twitch is better at this stuff. But again it's not the right option for you. The right option for you is to stream on YouTube because it just makes so much sense. There is like this whole vernacular that you need to use. And it was funny because I could feel you were trying to like, you're trying to find it, right? Like, cause it is, it's very, again, it's super different to all of the other types of content that you make in that way. Yeah, I, I'm totally unexperienced with this. And also I have the additional problem, which is, because there are two ways that people can sign up. I have 
two chat rooms that I'm managing, which is very like, oh God, where am I looking? Like it's very, it's, it's, it is surprisingly hard. So Dana was like, oh, Grace streaming. And then she was watching, I don't understand the chat. And I was like, okay, so he's kind of got these two, he's got the Discord and the YouTube chat. So, but why <laughs> right. are they both there? I was like, yeah, because they just have to be. Right. Like, so <laughs> now I, so this is one of the things that I want to give you feedback on. Mm-hmm. What tool are you using? What software are you using? Uh, Streamlabs OBS okay. that's what I'm using because I think one of the ways that you can benefit from this is some visual design to the stream what do you mean my streams are beautiful they're gorgeous like really amazing <laughs> uh, there are you know like there there are visual tr- tricks that you can play for putting things in boxes and stuff like that and, and you know you will see this with other people that stream you know, you, you kind of have a layout. I don't remember the exact name of it now, but you can kind of set up a layout and I just think your layout could do with some refinement to make things a bit clearer. I have refined it quite a lot, actually. It's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, in all seriousness, this is just this is just a problem of like the complication versus mm-hmm. just getting it done yeah. issue. And I don't know, like Streamlabs, you recommended it to me and I, I do quite like it, but I... <sighs> I constantly run into just tons of technical problems with all of the streaming software, technical problems that are completely baffling. You know, the kind of thing where you're following through someone's tutorial and then step six just doesn't work or like, oh, that button doesn't exist. All right. Okay. So now we need to actually get into the real meat of this. Okay. If you're going to do this, you need a PC. I'm sorry. You don't want to hear it, but this is it because so many of the problems that you're having would be solved by using a PC. Because when you say the button isn't there, well, you know why the button isn't there? Because it's in the Windows version. It's not in the Mac version. And so many (laughs) of the technical issues that you find yourself in, because the Mac is not good at this. Right. No, I understand the Mac's not good at this. But I'm I'm not getting a whole other computer for this. Like this is, you, you talk about now, like introducing more complexity. Mm-hmm. Every every operating system yeah. is literally a universe unto itself. No, I know. Right? And you're like, oh, hey, you can't get subscriber names to pop up nice on the screen. Well, don't worry. Just pop over into this parallel universe where all yeah. the physics are different and you yeah. can solve this problem. It's like, guess what? I don't need to solve the problem that badly. Like, it's fine. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is, for what you're doing right now, right, right now, it's mm-hmm. fine. But if this is a thing that you will want to continue, it is my strong recommendation <laughs> that you make your life easier for yourself, ultimately, in having a small form factor PC. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're presuming that it will make my life easier. I, I, no, don't, I, know it I don't think that it will. Like, I really don't think that it will. <laughs> I have been on this journey. Mm-hmm. I know how much easier it can be. Like, mm-hmm. My PC is just set now. I do two things on it. Nothing ever changes. It works great. Of course, I get the occasional issue, which is solved by unplugging and replugging a USB device. But that is like mm. the majority of the issues that I have is just that, if that, right? It's like once you set it up and you get it fixed in the way that you want, as long as you don't do anything else to the PC, which I don't because I only use it for this, it's fine. Yeah, but look, Mike, what, what are you trying to sell me here? Mm. All, all I have right now is, oh, cool. There's Minecraft on the right and yeah. there's Discord chat on the left. Great. Like... It's, I'm good. Like that's fine. It okay. works. It works fine. <laughs> what I'm all I'm saying is I agree with you. 
for right now. But again, if this is something that like it becomes a thing in your portfolio mm-hmm. that you do frequently, my recommendation is you make your life easier and the stream more professional looking by enhancing some things. So you get some scenes made for yourself, right? So like you end up with a more visual design to the stream where things are broken up and laid out a bit better. And then you also have a PC that can render Minecraft draw distances and also stream at the same time for you. <laughs> Putting this out there to you is just like just No, but like no, but this is like this I don't know, to me like this is this is like antithetical to what I'm actually doing here. Like number one, I'm not actually going to be a daily streamer. Like, no, of course you're not. Yeah, I've been doing it a bunch. You know, because this has been a confluence of events that uh, have made it happen more frequently. Like, mm-hmm. I think I would like to be able to do this somewhat frequently going forward into the future. I don't really know what that means, but I wouldn't expect that it is as frequent as it has been. I have a question for you. Yeah. Why do you have a writing computer? <laughs> no, no, Mike, now you're just trying to start a fight here. Well, That's... I'm not trying to start a fight. I'm just asking, <laughs> I'm just a question. That I have for you is why do you have a writing computer? <sighs> the purpose of the writing computer is to try to physically separate the work. I know mm. where you're going with this. <laughs> where am I? I don't know what I'm, where I'm not going anywhere. I just okay. I just couldn't remember. Mm. <laughs> Look, the writing computer is very simple. Yeah, it's for writing. Uh huh. It's for podcasting. Uh-huh. It's also a, streaming a server. It's also a server for all of my video files, Mm -hmm. and it's a Hazel machine that automatically categorizes and sorts all of the video footage that I shoot. It's my fastest computer, so it's also my rendering computer when I'm short on time, and it's also my video game streaming computer now. So that's what the writing computer does. Right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like, but just just to fi- just to finish the point, like I I do, I know what you're saying about you know getting a PC and trying to make things more professional. I do get it. Like even though I'm giving you a hard time about that, I under I understand your point. But part of this for me is like, but I am not a professional streamer. No, I'm not recommending like you're doing this anytime soon. Yeah. If it doesn't feel like I'm actually just playing this game and I'm enjoying this, I'm not going to do it. Like, it doesn't really make sense for me to do as a business. Like, it makes sense for me to do as a fun bonus thing for people who support the channel. And it also makes sense if it's a fun thing for me to do in the afternoon when I wouldn't be doing anything else anyway. Like, I'd just be sitting around. So so this, this is why it all makes sense. And, like, you have to be careful about how much you professionalize yeah. some things. And and I, f- I feel cautious about this. Nobody like, understands yeah. this more than me, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, this is exactly where I am, right? Like, I stream every week, but it's my fun thing that I do. I look forward to it. And I don't want to think of it as part of my, like job so much because it would take some of the fun away like it's my hobby and it but it, mm-hmm. as a hobby i get to share it with other people and it's just something that i really enjoy but but it has become way less frustrating for me once i had the equipment in place to properly manage what i was trying to do mm-hmm. because what i found was when i was trying to stream everything from my laptop it worked most of the time because the laptop couldn't handle it. And it was like random where sometimes 
just like I would be at like seven frames per second, right? And just, mm. just like, as I said before, I think it's like a people were joking and calling it like a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> that made it right. less fun. Yeah. And when it made it less fun, it made it feel like work. So when I ended up investing, I built a new PC. I love my new PC. I have a parts list that I'll put in the show notes if people want to check it out. Now it's even more fun again because everything just runs so smoothly. I just turn everything on and I'm ready to go. It's just a joy. Mm. So all I'm saying is I'm not recommending this for now because you don't know if this is even something you're going to be doing in six weeks' time, right? Yeah. My suggestion is if you decide this is something that you want to do for fun but also as a like community-building exercise, my recommendation to you is to really strongly consider some things that will make the experience smoother. Recommendation noted, Mike. Yeah. We can, and again, like this, I just want to get this in your head, right? And like, mm-hmm. but just keep doing what you're doing for now, right? It's right. only come up because you mentioned about the uh, the two chats, right? And like, that's what led me down this uh, whole little right. But your, your PC isn't going to solve the problem that there's, you know, there's two. No, there were two systems. parts of this, right? <laughs> like the first part was having somebody create a more visual scene. It's called mm-hmm. scenes for you, okay, which could help. Highlight things, you could, you know, there could be some labeling as to like why these things are both here. But then the other part of it was while I'm talking about this, let me also mention to you how much your life would be made easier if you had a Windows PC to do this with. Right. So that, that's what this intervention was. <laughs> yeah. Th- this was like the other thing that I wanted to mention. Okay. In watching your streams and knowing how much easier and smoother and better looking they would be if you had hardware that could actually handle it. Yeah, I, I, I do think my bottleneck is actually the internet connection. It's not the hardware at this point. I think there's a bit of both. I mean, because like stuff like your draw distance in Minecraft is not affected by your internet. Yes, that's, that's true. Right. Uh, that is true. I don't have to draw distance at maximum. But I, I, I do really think 80% of the problem is the internet connection. And also, I don't know anything about PCs and don't want to learn an entire other universe. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, trust me. I feel you. I've been there. Yeah. It's not as bad as it seems, though. Yeah. But it's the thing is you choose whether you want to give into it or not. <laughs> I mean, I'll just tell you my, my favorite little thing that's happened so far with the streaming. It just made me laugh is I try very hard on the streams not to curse because if it's live there's no bleeping right you know so sometimes i curse on this podcast and you bleep it and that always makes it funnier i sense you yes exactly the reason i take curses out of the show is it's easier for people that don't want it and it's also easier for people that are listening mixed company yeah exactly you don't know you it's mixed company there's going to be a a grandma with pearls that she will clutch if you Mm -hmm. curse and you you don't want that to be the case also like i suspect with streams it's much more of a background activity, you know, so it's yes. just, I don't know, it's just ev- everything about it feels like you probably shouldn't curse. So I try not to curse. Although, of course, when you're playing video games, surprising things happen. Especially Minecraft. Minecraft yeah. is, a, is a dangerous game for no cursing. It, it is, it is dangerous, it, you know, because it is, it, it is the perfect example of, oh, you've spent two hours doing a thing and then in two seconds, one stupid thing happens and you've just lost two hours of your life that you're mm-hmm. never getting back. In all of my years, anytime I've ever streamed, I think I have been 100% successful about not cursing. But on the very last stream I did once, because I was just 
too surprised. I like I turned around and was just very surprised and cursed out loud. And what I loved is before I had even finished the stream, YouTube was like, oh, we've demonetized this video for language. Whoa. And like, wow. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I yeah, I saw the little like ineligible limited monetization language. I was, <laughs> I was like, boy, look at this. These bots, they sure know how to look. Like they are wow. watching you with sharp eyes. <laughs> I thought that incredible. was amazing. <laughs> and horrifying. Yeah. So anyway, YouTube, they're always watching. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace, the only one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace have got you covered. They combine cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, making it easier than ever to establish a home online and make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful modern website. You start with a professionally designed template and use drag-and-drop tools to make it your own. You customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale and more in just a few clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile, your content automatically adjusts so it's going to look great on any device. You'll also get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. There's nothing to patch or upgrade. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They'll even let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and they have everything you're going to need for SEO and email marketing as well, if that's what you want to do. You can use Squarespace to turn your big idea into a new website, showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs, publish your next blog post, promote your business, announce an upcoming event, and so much more. Something I wanted to do recently was to create a kind of landing page for all the different projects that I have. And I've had a website, MikeHurley.net, on Squarespace for a while, and I haven't really done much with it. So I just spent some time one day. I put in a little bio about myself, some imagery, and then some links out to all of the different projects that I'm up to today. It was so easy. They had a template that was perfect for it. It was really easy to do, to drop in a gallery of images. So, so simple. I really love how Squarespace gives me all of the tools that I need to do this in a way that makes sense to me. Go to squarespace.com slash cortex and you can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cortex to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash cortex. And then when you sign up, use the offer code cortex to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. A thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of Cortex and all of Relay FM. Great, let's do some hashtag ask cortex questions. So Cortexans have questions, we have answers. Maybe. <laughs> I was like, do we, do we have answers? I don't know the answer to that well, yet. Well, we have answers. Right. They might not always be the answers people want or expect, but we do have them. <laughs> Jan asks, what kind of art do you have or want in your offices? Where do you choose form over function? Maybe in regards to furniture. I mean, it won't be a surprise. I, I generally prefer function over form. Uh, particularly in a in a work environment mm -hmm. i mean i do think it is nice to have some kind of matching you know so like i have uh the two desks in my office one for the regular computer one for the writing computer they're the same and when i got a storage unit it was important to try to like match the wood so that it does look nice in, mm. in the room but yeah in general i i care a lot more about office stuff being functional and to that end i don't have any art in my office like I, I painted the walls blue which i love but i don't have any like paintings on the walls you know n none of that is is something that i would 
really want. There's a window in my office, but it is permanently closed forever. But I guess the thing that I would want as art, I guess, is always kind of stuck with me. But there are there are companies that make these fake windows. I don't know if you've ever seen this. They're, like I run across this on the internet every once in a while. And it's, it's one of these, like, how much money do you want to spend kind of questions. But yeah, there are companies that will make these fake windows that try to create the appearance of sunlight coming through them. Oh my God, this is so weird. I'm looking at some now where they put, like, images. Yeah, and, and so some of the, the better ones try to solve the parallax problem. Because, like, with artwork, obviously, it doesn't have any depth to it because it's just a flat image. And so... Some of the better windows try to solve for the parallax problem by having just a little bit of layers that's offset in a way which exaggerates parallax. So it gives it a bit of depth as, you, as you're as you walking past it. I'm looking at these ones now that are curved. Yes, like that bit. kind of stuff. I hate this. No, I no, some of these are great. Like, you know, for people who have underground prepper bunkers, like, you know, the real millionaire, billionaire people who do this kind of stuff is like, oh, I have I have this underground nuclear bunker, but also this window that always shows me what it looks like in Hong Kong now or whatever. Like, that's the kind of thing if money was no object and I could build my office from scratch, I think I would I wouldn't have art. But I would love to have like the best fake windows money can buy. That's what I would put in my office. For me, I like to try and display things that are achievements. Mm. I have my prints from PodCon. Remember those? Yeah, yeah, of course. Those framed. I have some like those fracture prints of like little moments. I actually have a fracture of the aforementioned time that we were on stage together in San Francisco. Yeah. I want to do more of it for the studio because the studio is just big blank walls. <laughs> it's mm. just like these large white walls. But again, it's like I haven't had the time to really decorate this way. It's like I have a clock that I really like that is just been sitting in a box for 10 months. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of having things in a workspace to make it feel personalized to kind of take the edge off a little bit mm. i mean honestly this is part of like the aesthetic desire for fun keyboards yeah i think i imagine uh, especially just being in a bigger space you would have more desire to mm-hmm. decorate something on the walls <laughs> especially because i mean it's not very soft feeling in this. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just like white brick wall. <laughs> and, uh, the right. coziest of, yeah. of uh, decorations, white yeah. brick wall. John asks, I know Mike edits and posts the podcast, but what is the, quote, final cut ownership like on an episode? Does Gray just listen for mistakes and note corrections to Mike, or do both of you <laughs> listen and edit it equally? <laughs> I, I like that. Oh, Mike, I'll, I'll just send you my list of mistakes and I'll let you do it. <laughs> I think that's really funny. I have had editing relationships like that. I mean, I think it can make sense. I just, that strikes me as funny. I mean, honestly, in some ways, it's more logical than what we do, which yeah. is literally pass a logic project backwards and forwards, which is, I can't believe we haven't had a problem that's occurred from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll give, I'll give logic a lot of credit for, yeah. you know, never, never really choking on that. Nope. So yeah, that's worked really well. But I think this is also the case of we are both logic editors. Like it's, it's no big deal for me to open up a logic file and edit a podcast. Like it's super easy, it's, true, you know, true. way easier than working in final cut and is uh, super fast. So I, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think there's two things going on here. It's like, okay, well, 
when both of us know how to use the same editing program that reduces a lot of friction and when one of us is incredibly picky about a bunch of details like it also makes like i I would never send you a list of like oh mike here's the couple little things that i want you to change i tend to make a lot of very small edits on the final one but honestly i think it's the two of us working on this that is part of why i think cortex sounds really good as a podcast Mm -hmm. is I always want to be clear, like Mike is putting in 90% of the work. I just view my edit as I always have picky stuff that I just want to change or tweak a little bit. I have a question for you. Do you edit yourself more or me more? It depends. I mean, I think probably on average, I edit myself way more. You know, I think this is just the human thing of Mm. you're always going to be more annoyed by little things that you do wrong or you're more aware of when you've said things in a weird way like that was not what i intended but if i cut this it sounds closer to what i what i meant to say i edit you more (laughs) than me (laughs) oh okay that's totally shocking to me why um i'm gonna edit you more now (laughs) go for it see if i can (laughs) you can edit me out (laughs) this is really really funny because like I've, i've always kind of assumed oh Mike is giving me this file. He must be 100% happy with the way he sounds about everything because I'm not going to pass back the file to him until I've listened to it and make sure that I'm happy with the way I sound. (laughs) I edit myself a lot, right? Like I'm not relying on you to do it for me. The reason I edit you more is because I know how picky you are Mm -hmm. for yourself. So I try and just pick up a lot of that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, it's, my, it's part of my job here is to edit the show. And mm-hmm. so, like, as well, you have, I think, more fixable verbal tics than I do. <laughs> right? Everybody has verbal tics. Yeah. I am just lucky that yours are more repairable more frequently than mine are. I can't get rid of a lot of mine. What are your unremovable verbal tics? Oh, I'm not saying them on the show. <laughs> okay well, you can tell me later right because then everyone will hear them all the time mm-hmm. and will lose their minds but you're quite controlled with yours which makes it easy one of them is the exact opposite of a verbal tick which is you take a long time you pause yes minute, that, yes right you that do is lots true. of pauses and your other thing is you just restate stuff a lot yes well this is also the magic of it's not live is oh it's amazing yeah this, i start this sentence and then oh it's a car crash and then you just wait start over start mm-hmm. over try that again and mm-hmm. try to speak like a person who could speak in full sentences mm-hmm. yeah no extemporaneous speech is not my strong point which is one of the reasons why it's like mike this podcast will never be live well gray i'll tell you it's nobody's strong point it, <laughs> it really isn't like extemporaneous speaking is incredibly difficult most podcasts are not edited like us they're just not because it just yeah. takes too much work you, you, you wouldn't do it right and it's like when i talk to people like especially with the mentorship program that i've been doing when mm-hmm. we talk about editing i tell them the different ways that i edit i tell them how i edit this show and suggest nobody edit like this price <laughs> it's not necessary to produce a good podcast we just do it because this is what we do yeah But I don't recommend people do things like we do. You know, like if I say the word your twice in a sentence, right? So like your, your, 
because I'm just restating it. I'll cut one of those out. Nobody mm. notices that stuff, but I just don't want it there. Mm. So really, the final cut ownership, I mean, it is kind of mine because you give me the final, final cut, but I don't really change a lot after you give it back to me. Because I was just thinking, I don't even know now. I don't know. Like, you do listen to it again after I've edited it or not? I don't no, I know. never listen to it again. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, there you go. You didn't. I can't. I, I don't have the time for that. <laughs> Mike, we need to do three passes on this podcast. Well, One, I'll tell you two, what, three. Then, Gary, I'll tell you, if you want that, you've got to get it to me a day earlier, right? Like, that's the thing. I can't listen to the show if you're giving me the show on the day the show's being posted. Mike, I don't understand. The, the show needs to be posted on Tuesday at 4 p.m., and I got it to you at 3 p.m. Didn't you listen at double speed? I don't well, understand. What's wrong with you? No, I don't, I don't listen back again. Something that I do do is I will sometimes check the edits that you make. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I want to just tidy it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it's easy because we edit differently. You crossfade everything so I can see where your edits are. <laughs> yes, and this this is where I crossfade everything because I am not as good of an editor as you are. And so it's like crossfades yeah. <laughs> makes it much easier. I open up Mike's one. It's like no crossfades here. Nope. Mike doesn't rely on that low level <laughs> noob trash. Like he doesn't need to do it. Mike just has hard cuts. I'm an artisanal editor, sir. I find the natural point between the two words and match that up. No crossfade yeah. in here. In, in all seriousness, Mike's podcast edits look like, I don't know, what professional sushi cuts look like. Just these perfectly straight lines. And it's like, wham, wham, wham. And my edits look like trash. <laughs> I've done this a few times. I'll include a link in the show notes to what the logic project just looks like at yeah. the end. Because it really is kind of incredible to see what is often thousands of cuts. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's quite a sight to see sometimes. Yeah, I, I think, again, I'll just reemphasize here that, yes, no one should edit a show this way, but this is the byproduct of, I'm very picky, but I genuinely think that for this show, it does make it much better. Yes, And I also think that this show has above average at least re-listenability and so that, that is something that i often have in mind when i'm doing my pass is someone may listen to this not just once but they may listen to it several times and then it, it kind of changes the calculus in my head of if an edit is worth it or if it's mm -hmm. if it's worth tightening up this little section so this, this is why most podcasts are more ephemeral and then that's why it doesn't necessarily make sense to do like two and a half passes of it. So Yeah, because it's also content. That's the thing we didn't mention. We do take things out, remove things, move stuff around to make the content of it sound better as well as just the raw speech of it, right? Yeah. And that is, again, just a very different thing. The content editing I, I do recommend for people depending on the type of show that they're making. Yes. This isn't something that I do all the time. I think you can remove the need for content editing by planning a lot and then also just by paying attention while you're recording. You know, because this shows that I do where I don't edit as heavily, but we'll remove stuff from the final edit because I just know it didn't work. Mm -hmm. But this show, we do listen through it in that way to make sure that it is re-listenable and replayable and again it's like there are considerations that we make which is this weird chicken and egg scenario that because the show is successful and has a large listenership you edit it more tightly mm -hmm. but is the show successful because it's edited that right. you know, we'll yes. never know but that's 
this chicken and egg that that we're in that we're happy with yeah. but it's also why the show happens every month and not every yeah. week <laughs> it's impossible to know if the show is more successful because of the way that we edit it but i know for sure that the answer is yes okay even though i also know that this is not generally applicable to all podcasts that is perfectly acceptable i think to say all of what you've just said and i'm pretty sure i agree with all of it great i'm glad it only took me three tries to get it right in that sentence but nobody will ever know